Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Should I just pay off that 0% interest credit card early and then start taking 1000 a month and trying to invest that? And provides unbiased answers. To me, the simple answer is Invest Talk. Over 30 million downloads and counting. Hey, this is John from Durham, North Carolina. I had a question about financials generally and one stock specifically. I picked up Ally Financial, ticker symbol A-L-L-Y. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, March 10th edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in for this hour. And my goal over this next 60 minutes or so is to help improve your skills as an investor, as a saver, as a decision maker with your money. That's ultimately our goal here each and every weekday on Invest Talk is to make you a better investor, make you more educated, give you some perspective, help explain how you should think about your decisions and the the variables that go into the process of making those decisions, right? Because every little variable will, will pull in one direction, but if you aren't understanding that variable in context, that can throw off the decision-making, right? If you don't understand what a particular word means or a term means exactly, how that jives with another decision or another aspect of that decision, it can be can lead you the wrong way. So our job is to help have your eyes wide open, not following just the headlines, not following, oh, just one number, right? Their profitability is this, or their cash flow is this, or their sales growth is this, right? It's a confluence of factors. And I'm going to operate in this show with our mission statement as usual, which is independent thinking and shared success means we want to bring you along with our success and you can do it on your own. We do that for our clients if they don't want and and don't have the time to do it themselves. But either way, from bringing you market reports, I'm explaining uh, a theory or a process. If I'm talking about a particular company or industry, I'll present this all without bias. I'm just giving you the facts as I see them. Now I'm Justin Klein. Of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. You get to shape the show to your liking when you do that. And you can call and interact with us right now during this live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific time, or you can leave questions anytime in our Invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, that number never changes. 888 chart So let's head over to our first question. Hey guys, love the show. This is Corey in North Carolina. Um, I had a question about my IRA. I have a, a traditional IRA, and I started out with 
about 2,000 minutes since been listening to the podcast, and it's grown just based on some penny stocks I've invested in to a little over 12,000 now in just a couple months. I'm 32 years old, and I'm I'm wondering if I should convert it to a Roth IRA just based on, you know, paying the taxes up front now, and if I continue to grow it more and more using that Roth advantage of, you know, getting the tax breaks 59 and a half or however old it is you have to be to draw from the IRA. Look forward to hearing the answer and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Now, first, I want to say congratulations on making such big returns in a short period of time. Uh, but also, it worries. That, that worries me because uh, typically that is not a good thing for the long term. And because people get kind of overconfident and when they are investing in times like this where, you know, smaller names are just exploding at 100, 200 percent over short periods of time, uh, they feel like that's normal. And they're always trying to hit home runs. And in normal times, those swings for the fences rarely pay off. You know, in times like this, they often do. But that's once again, atypical. So understand that your success is a little bit a sign of, of the times, especially with those penny stocks. Now, on the Roth conversion side, I like that you're thinking about it. This is a better question for your CPA because there's tax consequences of making that Roth conversion. You're 32. You might be in a lower tax bracket. I'm not sure. You have to, you have to answer that for yourself or have a CPA help you with that. Uh, if you are in a low tax bracket, you and you can lock in that low tax rate, then a Roth conversion makes sense. But only a CPA can tell you whether that would make sense from a tax perspective. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk, and I know you want and need strategies to help deal with uh, a changing market that we're in now. And uh, that's why I'm ready to take your calls on our Invest Talk Anytime listener line at 888 chart. So give me a call. Now let's check in on the market today. It was a continuation of the recent trend. It was a, a kind of a counter trend rally in a lot of ways, right? The NASDAQ rallied big yesterday, snapped back all of the losses from Monday and closed kind of where we were on the close of, uh, what would that be, Wednesday of last week? And today the NASDAQ ended down five points. So not a bad day, very, very modest down day. But if you compare it to, say, the S&P, for example, which is up 23 points, about two-thirds of 1%, and you compare it to the Dow, which is up 164 points, which you know most professionals don't think about, but you just can kind of see that, uh, that comparison there, you, you see that this is continuation of the trend, which is weakness and growth, a revalue lower, the multiples are contracting a lot of these high flyers. You know, the large cap value side of the market was up 1.37% today. Growth was flat. Large cap growth was 0.02%. Mid cap value up 1.9. Mid cap growth down 0.12%. So you can see a big, big change uh, in the market and a lot of those high flyers continue to struggle. And this is very reminiscent of 2000, very reminiscent. I was young then, I was kind of just starting out, but I do remember that time and how 
names that everybody knew, right? The Cisco's of the world were business was fine, but their multiples were contracting very fast. And when that tide starts to go out, odds are very low that it will reverse before the pendulum swings the other way into full out pessimism. And that is likely to be some ways away. So continues to be a market where you're buying the value side and value side on any dips, you're selling the growth side on any rallies. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We are now moving through the second trading week of March, and that means the first quarter is almost over already. But your goal of individual financial freedom will require the right information and effective strategies, and we are here to help you with that. But your participation is vital to that end goal. So we're taking your calls live at 888 chart Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast, the February Rapid Fire Hour. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Let's head over to San Francisco and talk with Mike. He's looking at the new Roblox IPO. Yes, uh, good afternoon, and thanks for taking my call. I'd like to get your uh, take on uh, Roblox. Uh, my grandkids play it, and I understand it's all the rage, so uh, I'm looking at it for something maybe long-term for them uh, in my portfolio. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the call. And uh, you know, I was looking at this as well because I do know a lot of kids that are big fans of Roblox, and uh, it is a platform that is very sticky, and it's an IPO that actually makes money, right? Twenty this year, expect to make fifty-seven cents a share, although it is trading at sixty-nine dollars and fifty cents. Free cash flow trailing twelve months is four hundred eleven million dollars. Now, first thing you have to understand about that is there's definitely some tailwinds for COVID, right? More kids staying home, not going to school, or or doing to school from home, and so their ability and uh, to to play a lot of video games is a lot higher than it was pre-pandemic. And you know we're going to get back to full, schools being fully operational probably in the in the fall. So I think that 411 uh, million in free cash flow is bit bigger than it probably would have been otherwise, but, you know, besides the pandemic. So keep that in mind. Now it is a market cap though of 40 billion, looks like, yeah, 38 billion at the close today. And you have to really ask yourself here is, is this a fad, right? Is the Roblox platform something that's very sticky or is it a fad? Is it something that's going to be played out in the next three, four years, and you know, it'll still be around, but probably not as popular, and they'll move on to the next thing. You know, that's the thing with technology, is it may be hot one day, and the next day something else comes along that suddenly gains traction and momentum, and now that's the new hot thing, right? Just think of, you know, I think of BlackBerry and the iPhone. As soon as the iPhone came out, BlackBerry was in decline almost immediately. OK, 
Okay, so same with video games, right? There are video games that are very popular one minute and then another one comes along and boom, all the kids are on that one, right? Right now it's uh, it was Fortnite, now it's Roblox and, you know, so this is very faddish type of industry. Now with Roblox, it is a platform, so there's a lot of different type of games. It's not like they're playing one game. It's more of, uh, yeah, like I said, a platform, kind of like a Roku in, in a way for video games. Uh, but to me, it's still not cheap enough for me to get excited about it. So uh, on my watch list, I'm going to be following it, and I think it's an interesting company. But at this valuation, the risk versus reward is just not there. Let's go to Mac. He's in Cabo San Lucas. He's looking at SOXX. Correct. Thought, uh, wanted to see what you think about it at this time. Well, this is the ETF that follows the semiconductor, Philly, uh, Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. And this is in the, the growth side of the market, right? So this is likely to underperform. You know, the, the whole ubiquitous story now of a chip shortage, I think that's all kind of built into the market. And a lot of these names are, I think, at peak valuation. And so I think this is not the name that I would want to be in. You know, if you want to dig into the actual specific companies within the portfolio and pick out ones that may be able to buck the trend, uh, you know, I, I would think of something like semiconductor manufacturing companies, or not, sorry, not manufacturing, equipment manufacturing companies, those that are selling the equipment to the Taiwan semiconductors of the world, the Intels of the world, right? The foundry companies of the world. I think that's a subsector that has, I think, a little more staying power, a little more consistency to its business, but will still be more volatile than the overall market. And I'm not saying those are definitely buys, but that's a subsector that I would be more interested in than kind of the broader semiconductor index, who's filled with some good executors, a lot of bad executors, and the industry as a whole is very, very cyclical. So uh, I, I just don't think this is a good time fundamentally or technically, but I do like the space longer term and I'm looking for opportunities over the next two, three years to get into the space. Now is just not that time. Thanks for the call, Mac, appreciate it. Both very interesting calls and about hot, interesting sectors. Guess what? The sexy sectors, sexers, the sexy sectors, there we go, say that three times fast, are unlikely to be that exciting from a return expect, uh, per, uh, perspective over the next couple of years. The boring industrials, staples, commodities, that's where you want to focus your efforts. If you listen to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends, and we must learn to manage our fear and greed. And that's what I'm here to help you do. It's to see through the headlines, see through the noise and the hype. You can do it. It's hard. We're humans. We're emotional beings. But with the right perspective, you can make it happen. Now, we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 
888 chart 888 Now, my focus point today concerns the story. Is the shift to cryptocurrency tokens inevitable? One big player recently created a new business unit focused on blockchain, crypto, and digital currencies. And that big player is PayPal. And they even made a cryptocurrency security acquisition in the name of Curve, C-U-R-V. And this provides companies with digital asset security technology that's delivered as a cloud service. So it's a, it's a SaaS company. And this is with the goal of helping PayPal expand and accelerate their support for cryptocurrencies and digital assets. And this pushed me to talk a little bit about NFTs, non-fungible non tokens. I believe that's uh, what it's called. And this reminds me of something, right? This, I've said this before. This whole period reminds me of the late 90s, 2000 timeframe, you know, with the, so many day traders and, you know, NASDAQ going up almost at 100% uh, year over year because of easy Fed policy, right? We had the 98, we had the Asian financial crisis, 2000, we had the, the uh, COVID crisis, and there was massive fiscal or monetary response because of that. Uh, this, this one, there's also ma massive monetary, uh, sorry, fiscal response as well. And so there's a lot of parallels there. Non-fungible tokens remind me a lot of Beanie Babies. I don't know if anybody remember those. Those were super hot in the late 90s, and it was all about the latest, uh, you know, one-of-a-kind Beanie Baby. And that's kind of what non-fungible tokens are, right? They are one-of-a-kind digital assets. That's their kind of claim to fame. You know, in reality, it's a collectible, and collectible markets often get really hot and really not very quickly and beanie babies if you go and try to find the value of beanie babies they are a fraction of what they were back in the late 90s so i see a lot of parallels to this uh now and i think there's a place for blockchain technology and applications and i think right now it's just kind of running away and anything that is viewed as crypto or viewed as blockchain is just kind of blanketed with this exciting new revolution of changing the way that we we handle money, right? And handle assets in a digital form. And just like in 99, it was, oh, the internet's going to revolutionize the world. And it did. But there were so, so much optimism, overzealous optimism, uh, that most of the names were either poor businesses and they went bankrupt, or they were just drastically overvalued. And I think there's a lot of parallels to that today, that yes, crypto is going to change the way money works, but the expectations far exceed the expected reality over the medium term. Let's go to Dejo. DJ in Maryland, looking at J.P. Morgan. Hey, Justin, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? I have a small position, and I was looking to add some more. Um, you know, I see it's reaching an all-time high or near it, um, completely recovered. 
uh, since the COVID drop. And I was just wondering, is it a good buy at that price that it is right now? No, I'm going to say no. I think uh, the value is closer to that $100 level as opposed to 155 today. Now, this to mm -hmm. me is the best run of the large banks. But if I'm going to buy banks, which I do not love the banking industry in this environment, uh, there are other areas of financial services that I like a lot better. I would not be investing in the large banks. Smaller banks, regional banks, they, they have more advantages uh, in this environment. I think the, that's the place I would be putting my money. JP Morgan, the large banks, not, not where I'm going to be allocating. I don't see a great opportunity there, especially with this valuation in JP Morgan. Thanks for the call. Let's head over to Santa Cruz and talk with John. He's looking at Mercury Insurance. Yes. Hi, Justin. Um, so I've owned this, I guess, for about a year, and it's it's run up quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I I don't know if you'd say it's parabolic, but um, I'm wondering if I should sell either half my shares or the whole thing, and maybe go move to something else, just because of the the move. Um, yeah, well, we actually own this for clients, and we've owned this uh, as well for a year plus. Bought it uh, somewhere in the, I think, mid to high 30s, maybe around $40 a share. Now it's at 65.73. Even after this strong advance, it's yielding about 3.8%. Uh, it's a good business. I said this. I like the insurers. We own. We've owned a, we own a couple of these, and they've done very, very well for us. And this is one of the better run insurers. It's relatively small, $3.6 billion market cap, even after running up, uh, you know, 50 plus percent over the past year. Uh, you know, our value is honestly still a bit higher. Now it's, it's a lot closer to our valuation than it was uh, a year or so ago. Uh, our value is closer to $80 per share. So, you know, to trim a little bit up here, not a bad idea, but I would have to use that money for something else that is now more attractive. I still like it, but don't love it quite as much as it did at 40. Um, but our value is closer to $80 a share. Thanks for the call. Give me a call. 889 chart. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? 
Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations. You've found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line. 888-99-CHART. I've got about a $1,000 a month surplus in my budget. But there's a caveat, $480 a month of that is currently going towards paying off a 0% interest credit card that has 14 months on it. I can pay that off with that payment and still have a decent chunk of money every month. But with this upcoming stimulus and the couple thousand that I have sitting in my account, I could pay off that credit card right away. But then it is at 0%. So I could also just take that stimulus money and try and put it into some kind of investing. But I'm also thinking I need some emergency fund. And I'm not sure how much I should do that. So I'm just kind of trying to figure out a good way to use my money. And it's like, I feel like I'm starting to ramble here. But the question is basically, should I just pay off that 0% interest credit card early and then start taking 1000 a month and trying to invest that? Or should I just start investing all that money and just keep making the monthly payment that'll pay it off before I run out of 0%? Thanks for your time. To me, the simple answer is I would just pay it off. And I know you think about, okay, I could invest this amount of money and maybe earn this return. Well, you could also lose that money as well, right? So you have to look when you're, when you're investing, you have to look at the time horizon that you are going to need that money. And for this, you're going to need to pay off that 0% interest credit card. Not only is that important to not pay interest, but what a lot of people don't realize about 0% interest credit cards 
and those enticing offers of 0% interest for you know, various things, is that interest is actually accruing on almost all of those offers. To where at the end, if you do not pay it all off, you now owe interest for all of that time period, right? So say it's a year, right? And say uh, it's $10,000, okay? Well, over that year, you're accruing, let's say at a 20% interest rate probably on a credit card. And if you don't pay that off in full, that entire $10,000 by the end of that year, you now owe all of that accrued interest. 20% of 10,000 would be $2,000. And so you don't want to make that mistake that you didn't pay every cent of that off. Okay? It's not worth it trying to play some mental gymnastics there and get cute with it. Just pay it off. Move on. And then when you have enough money again, start investing it. And then you can earmark that for hopefully longer term and earn a higher return. Okay, so I hope that helps. Now let's keep the pace moving along. Go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from North Carolina. Hey, this is John from Durham, North Carolina. I had a question about financials generally and one stock specifically. I picked up Ally Financial ticker symbol A-L-L-Y. I picked up some shares after the December downturn in back in uh, the end of 2018. And then I picked up some more shares at the pretty near the bottom during the COVID crisis earlier in 2020, right around $12 a share. So it's rebounded real nice up to over $40 a share. It still has a pretty, what seems like a reasonable forward PE, but I would love to know specifically for a stock like this, if you think it's time to like take some money off the table, and maybe you could speak just generally about some of the financial sector a little bit so that other listeners could benefit as well. Thank you so much for the show, and I will look forward to listening later. All right, looking at Ally, and this is a name that has rallied pretty dramatically. 52-week low down around $10 a share. Now it's at $45 a share. So massive rebound well above its pre-COVID highs and expected to earn $5.46 a share next year, which would be a record high. Now, if I'm investing in the lending space, and for everybody else out there, this is mainly a, bit, a company that lends in the auto space. Now, they have some other businesses as well, but it's mainly uh, an auto lender. And you might have seen Ally because they offer pretty good savings rates on uh, deposits compared to your traditional uh, de big depositor, right? Your, your JP Morgan's Bank of America's of the world. So a lot of people might have heard of them there. So, but mainly, like I said, it's an automotive finance company. They have some insurance operations, some mortgage operations, et cetera. Um, but that's not their primary business. Now, the, the auto industry has done well recently uh, because of... You know, COVID shutdown, so the supply of cars is actually it's pretty tight, you know, uh, as well as the semiconductor shortage. There's a lot of, there's, there's actually tight supply of, of automobiles. And so that's helped the collateral, right? Because that's their main collateral for the loans that they have outstanding. And it certainly helped their business. So 
I see nothing wrong with it. It's a, it's a pretty profitable company, has a fairly good history. This used to be the G, I think, I believe it used to be the old GMAC, uh, General Motors uh, financing arm. And it's a pretty good business in this environment. Now, I rather own something like this than a big bank. Just frankly, you know, they don't have the commercial real estate exposure like a lot of the big banks. They're very tightly focused on the car market. Um, and so I don't love it at these prices. I will say it is pretty expensive, uh, but I like this over a JP Morgan, a Bank of America, etc. Let's go to Dana Point right down the street from here and talk with Jordan looking at GRWG. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. You there, Jordan? Yeah. Hello? No problem. Now, this is a GRWG, and this is right in the heart of the cannabis space. They distribute organic nutrients, soils, hydroponic equipment for the use in cannabis growing. Uh, is that what you're trying to get here? Is that exposure to the cannabis space domestically? Uh, yeah, a little bit without actually buying the actual cannabis stock. Um, I believe they kind of supply like the um, grow lights and the hydroponic equipment. Um, it's been really good lately, uh, or sorry, before, and now it's become quite volatile going up and down. So I was just wondering um, if I should hang on to it or if I should start uh, kind of weaning my percentage of my portfolio out of this stock uh kind of as it goes up yeah i would start weaning myself off of this i think it's very expensive enterprise value to revenue 15 times enterprise value to ebitda 336 times extremely expensive and to me this is a, a business that sell they're selling pretty pretty commoditized products right? Uh, the growth facilities can kind of go anywhere. Certainly they cater to that part of the market. But as the this part of the industry becomes more legitimized, uh, maybe they reschedule uh, cannabis from schedule one to something else, those are going to open up opportunities for uh, more competition within the space and more dollars coming from investors, right? Because many of the companies that are public in this space are not traded on the major exchanges, which means major investors, hedge funds, mutual funds, pension funds, etc., cannot invest in those type of names. So their only way to gain exposure in this space is to buy you know, companies like Grow Generation. So to me, the first question is, what percentage of overall portfolio is it? Mine, uh, 5%. Five. Okay, so it's not too high. I'd definitely cut that back to two or three, uh, especially on this recent yeah. bounce. Uh, and uh, it's, there's going to be a lot of competition for those investment dollars. Once those uh, cannabis does get rescheduled, a lot of those OTC-listed companies today are going to come on the major exchanges, and money's going to flow there and out of companies like Grow Generation. So you have to be very specific on the companies you own within the cannabis space today because there's going to be a lot more competition for investment dollars in the medium-term future. Thanks for the call, Jordan. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and it is now official. We have crossed over the 30 million mark on downloads for the history of Invest Talk, and 
our listener base is loyal and we love you all. We appreciate you all for tuning in each and every day, giving us calls, emails, feedback, etc. Whether you're here in the U.S. or you're all across the world, we have listeners in, in all parts of the world pretty much. Australia, Saudi Arabia, Japan, Switzerland, the U.K., India, etc. And Steve and I thank you for downloading Invest Talk and for telling your friends and family about our free investing podcasts. Please keep the calls and questions and emails coming in. We love them, and we'd love to help you. And, of course, you're welcome to call our KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. But if you want to talk to us on air, you can call our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. Hi, guys. Lee from North Carolina here. I had a question about Stitch Fix, ticker SFIX. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific time. Hey, Justin and Steve. This is Phil in Washington, D.C. Love you guys. I've learned so much. Or they can leave their questions anytime, 24-7, in the InvestTalk voice bank. Look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thanks. Remember, for live or recorded questions, the number never changes. 888-99-CHART. Yes, my question is, with dividends, when they pay dividends, are they paying a total amount that I put in to their stock or are they only paying the profit that I've made off of that stock? Like if it's 10%, they want to give 2.5% dividend. Am I making 2.5% off of everything I put into that stock, or is it only a certain amount? I appreciate you guys, and thank you. Look forward to the answer. Bye. All right, simple question and simple answer. It's based on the number of shares you own. Each company will pay out certain um, certain dollar amount per share or certain cents per share and based on how many shares you own doesn't matter when you bought it if you bought it yesterday a year ago a decade ago however many shares you own you're going to get that much times the number uh, the, the dividend per share right so if it's a dollar dividend per share per quarter and you own 50 shares well you're going to get $50 in a dividend Simple question, simple answer. Thanks for the call. Now let's grab another voice bank question now. Hi, Steve and Justin. Long-time listener here. Love the show. Thanks for all you guys teach us. Seems to be, from what I've heard and heard from you guys too, that oil might be a good sector to get into for long term. Seems like it's been going up in price and gas sure has been going up. Been looking at a couple oil companies, uh, Chevron and Pioneer, Chevron seems to be definitely a good one. I see Mr. Buffett just bought a bunch of it, and it pays a really high dividend. But Pioneer, is that also a good company to get into? seems to be growing faster. It has more growth potential, but I don't know. Does it pay a dividend, or does it have a lot of debt on its books? And would that also be a good company to get in as well as Chevron? Thanks for helping me out with it. I'll look forward to hearing your answers on the show. A great question. I do think the oil space is relatively uh, a good place, I would say medium term, to be invested. Now, long term depends on your definition of long term, right? Uh, 
20, 30 years from now, are we going to all be driving petrol cars based on the trends? Probably not. But still, over the next decade, 15, maybe 20 years, I, I think we're going to be still dominated by petrol cars and the demand for gasoline. And so that changing dynamic over the longer term puts in doubt uh, a little bit the value of these companies uh, and when their terminal value will be, right? And so, once again, depends on your definition of longer term. Now, short to medium term, the supply demand dynamics remain that oil, pet, uh, oil and natural gas are going to be the driving force be behind our energy needs. And therefore, I still think Exxon and a company like Pioneer should do very well. Now, big difference between an Exxon, not Exxon, I think you said Chevron, and a Pioneer. Chevron is more vertically integrated, right? Where they have refining operations and uh, chemical operations, et cetera, that they feed their crude stock into to make finished products like gasoline, like uh, stuff that goes into consumer products, right? Materials. Whereas Pioneer is more of your standard E&P exploration and production company. They're primarily in the Texas Permian Basin, so they're a big fracker. fracker. So it's, their, their earnings are going to be a lot more volatile. They do pay a dividend 1.4%, whereas Chevron is, uh, I think, closer to, let's see, what was Chevron? 4.6% uh, dividend yield. So I, I actually kind of like both of them. Not my favorite, neither are my favorite within the industry, but I like them both. So it depends if you want the safer play, which would be a Chevron, more diversified, vertically integrated, et cetera, bigger dividend, better balance sheet, Pioneer, more of a pure EMP, worse balance sheet, but still a very good company. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Hi, guys. I've been uh, listening to your podcast for a little while now, and I just had a question regarding mutual funds and which to select. So I'm 32. I have a pension now that I'm going to be doing pretty good on, but I have my Roth IRA, which I've been putting money into every paycheck. And I've been doing reading, and it's been saying to do either a small cap growth or a mid-cap growth. And then I've been reading somewhere it's saying to do value now more so than growth. If you guys could just give me some insight on uh, what type of mutual fund I should be investing in. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Well, if you are stuck within your company retirement plan and your choices are limited, which unfortunately is for a lot of people, that's why I always say try to roll that into an IRA if you can. But if you're still stuck, uh, lean towards the value side. I've talked about this before. Growth has outperformed for 14 years. And there's this thing called reversion to the mean. And the spread between the 
multiples that growth stocks are trading at. Uh, although they've come in right from the high about uh, 20%, right? The, the growth side of the market has underperformed the value side by about 20% over the past, what's that, five, seven, about seven months now? And but that's just the start, right? Basically, since 2007, growth has tripled the performance of the value side of the market. And that is pretty rare. And you're just starting to see that reversal. Now, does that reversal last only a couple of years, two, three years, or something more like five to six years? It's hard to know. But you know now that the trend has broken. Trend has moved the other way. Value is leading. So that's how you need to lead with your portfolio and your strategy and your allocation, even within your 401k. Hope that helps. Now, last thing I want to get to is a pretty interesting development on the regulatory front coming out of the SEC. The acting chairwoman signaled for support for a wholesale review of the payment for order flow business, which is really what Robinhood operates on and has pushed a lot of other brokers to rely on that type of business as well, right? Sending orders to high frequency traders like Citadel and et cetera. Now, Robinhood certainly relies more heavily on payment for order flow than the other big brokers, but they all do it to some extent, right? The bigger brokers, the Schwabs of the world, you know, they have other forms uh, of income. They have their own ETFs and mutual funds, some of them, right? The Fidelities of the world. Uh, so pushing money towards there and they can make money that way. They make money on the cash. Uh, they trade bonds more often than uh, a... A game, sorry, not GameStop. A Robinhood. They have more option volume, and option trading does cost money still, typically. So, but all of the big brokers use it, and regulators are now looking to examine this arrangement to make sure the practices are consistent with the best execution obligation, which means that these brokers need to execute them at the best possible price. And critics say that this reliance on payment for order flow as a business breeds bad incentives. And it pushes these brokers to push trades towards the areas where they get the biggest rebate. They even disclosed it where for every share that Robinhood trades, they typically earn about 0.0023 cents, I think was the number, if I'm remembering correctly, something like that. And so if they can just bump that up to 0.0024, right, that can mean millions and millions of dollars in additional revenue and additional profits. And so this is an area that I think will continue to get a lot of scrutiny. And we may go back to commissions, who knows, but Keeping an eye on this regulation will be important to the investing game as well as the brokers that you may invest in. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for downloading. We encourage you to tell your friends and family 
about our free podcast downloads, which are uploaded shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast, which concludes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. You can get our downloads free anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as investtalk.com. We encourage you to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.